0: and Apparitions, The Art of Being, Elizabeth Bishop. Today, I'm speaking to another one of my Elizabeths, Grania Gillis, who will be in the next episode. Uh, tell me a bit about yourself and
1: your approach to your art. Hi, Laurie. So thank you so much for having me, first of all. And um, yeah, so um, I'm an Irish-American consultant. Uh, I grew up in Cork, which is I, I have to say this now, it's the best city in the world. No. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it's a great city. And I was born in New York, grew up in Cork, uh, lived in London for many years, uh, now trying out Berlin. Mainly, I guess um, wow, well, to put a, a label on myself, uh, someone recently called me an artist and activist, and I think that's probably as close to the mark and succinct. Uh, as it comes, I trained as an actress at Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Um, I've uh, done a series on women composers for RT Lyric FM uh, back in 2000. And just very interested in politics and the way the world runs. Um, and in terms of using arts as a medium to, uh, for, as a call really for political action. I think that's always very interesting to see. Uh, I'm passionate about uh, everything to do with 19th century opera onwards. <laughs> um, and I love new works as well. So that's uh, that's kind of my wheelhouse, as it were, vocally. Uh, love, also love Handel, funnily enough. I when I was at university, I did a music degree in University College Cork. Uh, so when I was there I sang a lot of baroque and jazz and also I composed I won the uh, capriccio composition competition quite difficult to say today for some reason (laughs) Uh, and uh, yeah so I guess and I write also I've written for the HuffPost and uh, Irish uh, Times and I do voiceovers on top of everything else so yeah so that's that's kind of where I'm at um yeah and very interesting projects that have that are woman centric so
0: this is definitely one of those
1: yeah yeah for sure for sure
0: yeah yeah You and I met on a march, on the Women's March, because you'd organised uh, a group of uh, women to sing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it was a group of a group of people to sing. Uh, you know, um, yes, that was for this Sing Him Out. It was um, protesting Trump in 2018. Uh, so that was great. I mean, actually, um, you know, it uh, basically was all organised through social media. Um, and I had a wonderful uh, counterpart at the Women's March London, um, uh, Geo, who really helped me quite a lot in terms of physically and logistically putting it together. And I was so fortunate, really, that, um, you know, it was, I think, over 120 uh, singers and uh, it, musicians turned up. Uh, to that and we sang Va Pensiero because that's always you know that's got significance in terms of Verdi being involved in politics uh, and taking 11 years out so I'm I'm a huge uh, a huge Verdi fan uh, not just of his music but also I think that you know there's a humanity in his music that definitely uh, shone through from his politics and then Obviously, as you probably remember, Laurie, um, there there was the the March of the Women uh, by Dame Ethel Smythe. Um, Mm -hmm. I had actually featured Ethel Smythe in the programme back all the way back in 2000. Uh, And I was really proud of the fact that at the Women's March in 2018, it was the centenary of uh, some women getting the right to vote. Um, And uh, it was probably... I would say probably the uh, first time in about a hundred years that that particular song had been heard on the streets of London. So that was, that was really, really special. Um, that ho- And doing it as part of the women's March, uh, you know, just generally that March um, was so well attended and there was a, such a strength of feeling, not just from women, but from men, because, you know, and I, I, I found that very, profound in terms of the course itself as well. Um, You know, I think women are still a long way from equality. We've come a long way, but, you know, we see it in our industry as much as in the world at large.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's very interesting, the conversations that we've been having in our industry as well uh, with different people about why have why didn't I know about this composer? Why didn't I know about this female playwright? Why didn't, you, you know, and and there's a real kind of uh, historical <laughs> imbalance, you know, that we we see, you know, when people talk about genius, well, really in Western art culture, all they're talking about is male and often white male genius. Yes. And not the full spectrum. And I think, that really we're kind of um, we're living in an exciting time where we realize that to go forward, we have to look at the past and we have to resolve the past in a way. Um, and that's happening on a lot of different levels. It's happening societally, politically, artistically, culturally, the whole lot in in my view. so.
0: Before I asked you to become involved in this, had you heard of uh, Elizabeth Bishop and were you familiar with her work?
1: Um, not at all. I mean, I'd come to see your show. Um, I, I think you did a kind of a, um, a, a rough version of the show at Tete-a-Tete, if you remember, yeah. because I was actually there to see um, another friend of mine in a show and then ended up staying for three shows. Uh, Which was which was great. Yeah, no, I mean, even as I mean, this this speaks to how much really um, that we are brainwashed by society and how much of women's history is hidden and forgotten, because even as someone who has always been deeply interested in women as a part of history, even as a child, I was more drawn uh, to things like Little House on the Prairie, Laura Ingalls Wilder, Anne of Green Gables, very female centric, Little Women, Louisa May Olcott, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, which I think a lot of, you know, young girls of my generation were. Um, but even that, you know, I was out on feminist marches from a very young age, like age 17 onwards and whatever. I had never heard of Elizabeth Bishop. Um, and you know, she very much comes um, across, you know, reading about her uh, as someone who was very significant in her time. and I, I I've had an interesting conversation actually over the weekend with some people here in Germany, um, one of whom specializes in uh, women composers. And I was actually singing, on a workshop, um, that she was doing. And, um, it wasn't the first time that I'd come across women who were very celebrated in their lifetime and then a little bit beyond, uh, but because they'd no one to champion their work in the concert halls and the opera houses. For example, my, my dad, who, uh, he grew up in the 1940s and fifties in New York, and he had a an encyclopedia called The World of Music, which we have at home. And I was just leafing through it recently when I was at home and uh, came across the names of Ethel Smythe and Germaine Typhair. And I was like, oh, and they were being described as, you know, prominent British composer, blah, blah, blah. Um, And I thought, so she was well known Mm. in, in her time. In the year 2000, when I did the series on women composers, no one had heard. I mean, this was one of the remarkable things about my program when it was put on Lyric FM and RTE. Uh, no one had heard of Ethel Smythe. Wow. At all. Yeah. She had just been com- almost completely forgotten. And um, I, <laughs> I, I, I think that's a big thing where, you know, It's very clear that patriarchy will not champion these women beyond their lifetimes. And it's also very clear that during their own lifetimes, they they've had to do a lot of championing of themselves. Uh, You know, if you look at Pauline Viardot, for example, in the 19th century, uh, she was championing her own work, getting it put on. Etc. Um, and same with Smythe and same with pretty much any other woman composer, mm. same with the writers as well. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, once they die, it's that championing kind of dies with them. Mm. And we were discussing the importance actually of not, not allowing that to happen. Um, Cause I, I think it's great that like, a whole load of, uh, there's been a whole buzz around women composers and, you know, doing new works, etc. cetera. Uh, there's one that the Royal Opera House is doing on International Women's Day. But actually, I think what we need to push for as women in the industry is also uh, getting, you know, more, more works uh, actually programmed uh, that are of historical interest yes. not just the new stuff and i i think i think with people like elizabeth bishop i mean you know she, she won a pulitzer didn't she yeah uh, you know and i mean the
0: I the equivalent of the poet laureate in the united states I mean, yeah she yeah, yeah. In that, yeah. In that position yeah, she was very successful in her lifetime and you know as, as successful as a poet's ever going to be yeah And I'm just wondering your take on this idea of the artist as outsider, the artist maybe needing to be, when you talk about political art. Yeah. It's the yeah. outside eye that says, look, you know, the, the emperor has no clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, you know, and, and how much do you feel that personally? Is, is it just circumstance? Is it something you may be seeking out? I mean, I'm the same. I'm living in a country I wasn't born in. So does it add to being an artist? Is it necessary to be an artist or is it being an artist makes it necessary to live that way?
1: <laughs> oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a deep, it's a deep question. I, I think that, um, I mean, I, I can't really talk about, uh, you know, poetry per se. Um, although I know a bit about writing. Um, I I think uh, you've got to have extremely honed uh, observational skills to be a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a big fan. I have I'm I'm going to be honest about this. I'm not a big fan of method acting. Um, and uh, when I was at Bristol Old Vic, uh, I guess because I could be very intense. Uh, about what I was doing, uh, a lot of people called me a method actor there, and I, I didn't take kindly to it. Uh, I was, but I was very good at going out and observing people, and trying to—I guess it's observing their energy—and and and trying to distill something of that into my own experience. I I, I don't think that you can be totally. An outsider, because ultimately we're all human beings trying to communicate a human experience, and that's very much, I think, the basis of what makes the arts uh, so special. You know, whether it is visual, whether it's uh, the written word, whether it's uh, performative, interpretive, uh, creative. It's a balance, isn't it? It's it's like everything in life. I think if you isolate yourself too much, like you can't live as a hermit,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: we 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 uh, got a little taste, uh, you know, even <laughs> as uh, even as someone who is, you know, I'm I'm kind of a, an introverted extrovert. So I love my own time. I'm very happy with my own company. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I have to say, you know, I didn't see my family over the pandemic for 19 months and that was too long and you know uh, because we are we also got the feeling of that we're all you know we're also all social and socially engaged creatures but I think you know to go back to your question about the observer yes we need as artists we need a little bit to live on the on the edges sometimes of this we've got to, we've got to be able to hold enough space from society while you know being engaged in it in order to, to navigate that space between the character and, and the person portraying them. Mm. Um, I, 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 I think it's that space in between is the important thing. Yeah. Uh, be, between the observation and the being, while on stage, or while uh, you know painting,
0: we've obviously all been through this. Like you said, yeah, this uh, enforced hermitude.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: the word, hermitage. And you know, as you know, we're, we're both opera singers amongst the other things that we do. And it's a live art form. You can't really get away from that. In what ways have you been affected or or what things have you discovered during this time about uh, the ways we can use technology to continue our art practice even though we can't do it in its ideal form which is in a room with other people so they can feel the vibrations of our voice
1: so. yeah well you know I, I I think it's a kind of an interesting thing uh because it, it's something that we've had to really um yeah we've had to really contemplate haven't we in a way that we didn't but I I just want to point out that you know um even prior to the pandemic you know one of the greatest resources um, for opera singers, uh, I think ever invented is YouTube, hmm. and you know, which gives us the opportunity to see people like Marian Anderson performing live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 I don't feel any the less. Uh, I mean, maybe I would have felt more had I seen Marian Anderson live, but I feel so grateful to be able to see someone like her you know on uh online also you know leontine price her last performance at uh at the met singing oh patria mia and i i think that probably there's there may even have been a lot more gained uh by seeing this on video and seeing it so up close her reaction it, it's a phenomenal her farewell to the met Yeah, yeah. And she sings Aida and she sings Patria Mia. And there's just like she you can see she's a little tear is struggling to get in there, but she's holding it together. Um, You know, so I mean, I think personally, I think I got involved with a lot of projects in a lot of different ways in that first year of the pandemic because I was just like uh, I need to be involved in something. And suddenly like creative juices went into overdrive and I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's try this. Let's try that. And I think, you know, what left me a little bit, which was a good thing was the fear of being crap. And I think, I think that that was kind of awesome in that first year. And I, I think while, you know, I, I went to see Theodora at the Royal Opera House, Last week, and I found it such a profound experience sitting there. Where you know I was three rows from the front, and I was sitting mm. like you know behind what would have been Handel in in his day, three hundred mm-hmm. or so years ago, uh, conducting it. Which was now the wonderful Harry Bicket, um, and an amazing cast, and 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 uh, obviously the Royal Opera House has really. It's, it's got huge uh, vibes for me personally, but also I, I just um, I think it was wonderful to be with so many people and so many people engaged, like not just older people, but also very uh, much younger people. Um, there's a wonderful countertenor called Jakub Orlinski and who's got a great Instagram following. And so he's bringing in a new audience Mm. to the Opera House that may never have come in there before, but they know him because apparently I I had a teenage boy next to me that was going absolutely bananas (laughs) uh, for him and was clapping and the whole thing. And, uh, you know, I, I got into conversation with him and apparently he knew him because he's put out like, I don't know, five albums or something on Instagram. And uh, you know, so not not only this has this is this guy, he looks great on stage, he acts really well, he sings really well, but also through social media, he's reaching out to a new audience. And I really felt like I was almost at the juncture of the, you know, the new guard in. Opera, Because I think there's going to be a lot more of this. And I think that this is a good thing. There's also another if you haven't seen it, there's a wonderful YouTube link of uh, people from uh, different cultures, different tribal cultures, seeing opera for the first time. I totally recommend it. Uh, You know, our art form. Has the ability to, it, I, I knew this when I was working as I, before I decided to, you know, become an opera singer proper. Um, I, I bust for London Underground for a couple of years. And I knew then um, that, you know, opera had the ability to reach a lot of hearts and souls, which is what we want to do. We want to make the world a better, a more questioning, a more beautiful place. And we can do it through this music, but we've got to we've, we've got to think bigger. We've got to think beyond the Opera House and how how can we bring how can we bring this out into the world so that we can bring people into the Opera House mm-hmm. for a communal experience?
0: Thank you so much for Agreeing to to play in my mad sandbox.
1: (laughs) Oh, it was such a privilege. You you know that I love a mad sandbox. I can't resist it. That's uh... (laughs) a...